Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 12 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Melissa Wages, and Melissa lives in Portland. She is a pediatric dentist, and we are so glad to talk to her today. So, welcome, Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, you know, I like to start off by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting? Yes, so my husband actually is the short answer, and the slightly longer answer is that he was doing some internet surfing, and I think it was Yahoo News article or something that led him somewhere that led him to a YouTube video, and so he brought it to me as, you know, kind of a weight loss, you know, technique, and but he started talking about clean fasting. That was definitely something that was a part of it. And I thought, oh, cream in the coffee? No cream in the coffee? I don't 
I don't think this is going to be a lifestyle that I really want to take part in right now. And he was also talking about the added benefits of energy. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. But yeah, no, I still want cream in my coffee. And so he tried it. And within a short period, I want to say even a week or 10 days, he told me, he said, regardless of weight loss, even if I don't ever lose a pound, my afternoon energy is amazing. As a teacher, he would often have that crash at two or three and just really suffer through the end of the day. But he said with this, his lesson planning was just on spot. He was on top of his grading. He was on top of his behavior management game. As a pediatric dentist, those afternoons get busy in my practice too. So that definitely piqued my interest. And actually what is what kind of brought me over to the intermittent fasting side was the afternoon energy. Yeah, I think that that is important. You know, I was a teacher. Anybody who knows my background knows that. And it made such a difference for me as well. That that afternoon slump is real, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so much of our days when we're working with children, you know, we need to be on it in the afternoon. And so that was the initial draw. And I thought, okay, as soon as this quart of creamer that's in the fridge, as soon as it's gone, I'll start. And, you know, it was just (laughs) funny that I wasn't willing to pour it down the drain. Nope, I had to pour it down my belly. That's so funny. You know, I think that really the clean fast and the coffee and the diet drinks are one of the greatest holdbacks for a lot of people. They're like, you know, I would like to do it, but I just can't give up, you know, fill in the blank. Absolutely. And I see that, you know, on the Facebook groups too. So once we started intermittent fasting, then I wanted all the information. I was just like, my brain was like open to this whole new world. And so I quickly found the podcast, which is how I came to know about you and Melanie, the intermittent fasting podcast. And I listened to those binge listened every chance I could. At first, my husband and I were trying to listen to them together, which meant I only listened when we were on, you know, driving in the car at the same time. And that was just too prohibitive for me. I had to I had to motor on. And so within a few weeks, I think even I had listened to all the podcasts and become a member of the group and read your Delay Don't Deny book, which was just, it really is life-changing. Oh, well, thank you. When was this, by the way? When did your husband first run across it? How long ago? It was in March of 18. So just, okay. I'm about eight to nine months at this point. And I am not at goal. I will be. I'm a success story because this is my lifestyle, but I'm not finished. <laughs> Well, you never finish a lifestyle, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that is really the truth. And, you know, growing up, I was always an overweight child. I'm not one of the ones who came to, you know, adulthood thin and then had children, which, you know, many women do or went through even their middle adult years and then in menopause gained weight. I had always carried a good amount of weight. I think at one point when I hit a hundred pound mark, you know, as a child, this was remarkable to me. And so I was talking with my dad and, you know, I had already known that I was on the bigger side as a kid. And and I said, you know, a hundred, that's a lot, right? You know, and you're sort of testing their reactions. And he's like, yeah, if you left it at a hundred, that would probably be good if you didn't gain any more weight. And my dad's like six, two, I'm five, nine. This is not realistic, you know? So from childhood, from my teen years, all the way through adulthood, there had been many diets and I try something and have success. And then as soon as the something stops, the weight all comes back on. I mean, we know that yo-yo so well. Oh, yes. And And that's that's the most frustrating part of the whole diet roller coaster when you're stuck on it because you think, oh, I'm just going to get there and I'm going to keep it off this time. And then you don't. 
Yeah, again, exactly. Right? Again, right? There's another failure. And so I knew that any change would have to be a lifestyle, you know, and I, I've said that probably three times here already, but that was really the biggest part where I was. That was my mindset, you know, earlier this year. In January, I started working out with a personal trainer and I actually just even verbalized. I said, you know, I'm working out to get stronger. I'm not working out with you to lose weight. And I just want you to know that, you know, because she wants to monitor success and, you know, there's different metrics that she, my trainer, Alexa, uses to monitor our success. And I said, I don't want to see the scale move. I really don't want it to (laughs) because this is about getting stronger. And, you know, just for me at that point, my mindset, I could focus on that, you know, but to focus on getting stronger and losing weight was too much. That was overwhelming for me. And so it wasn't until March when I started to kind of think about it. And even then, like I said, with my husband bringing intermittent fasting to me, I was still, you know, like resistant. And I don't know if I want to do this. Oh, wait, increased energy. Okay, well, let's talk then. If we're not talking weight loss, if now we're talking energy, all right, you know, let's see what this has to offer. And so but it's been amazing. I've lost 55 pounds and still going. I'm at that point now where I'm sort of wondering where does it go from here? But we'll see. Well, yeah, I'm giving you an appla- some, some applause here. <laughs> Yay, Congratulations on the on the 55 pounds. That's wonderful. And how much more do you think you would like to lose? I know you're not sure where you want to end up or where you're going to end up, but do you have like a goal, like a dream goal in your mind, an idea of that? Yeah, that's something that I think a lot about, especially over the last couple months. I would say the first six months, my weight loss was dramatic. You know, month by month, I was chunking weight, you know, like 15 pounds, 13 pounds, just the weight was coming off easily and fast. And then things slow down, which as you get closer to, you know, whatever goal or ideal or a preset, you know, from long ago, those things start to slow down. So I expected that. And so I've kind of been in that mindset set of, you know, where am I with this? And in one of your podcasts, you said that maybe it's not a goal weight, but a goal body, right? I've held on to that. And I'm still trying to convince the other part of my brain that I don't need a goal number. And it's not easy. But I had a visit with my doctor in November. And my blood work all looks great. You know, my A1C, my cholesterol, all my metrics, my thyroid function is all looking wonderful. And even my BMI is just over 25, which I don't play a lot into. I mean, I'm so much stronger than I was in January since working out with my trainer. So I don't put a whole lot into the BMI, you know, as far as my body mass index, my muscle makes up a greater portion, right? You know, I was kind of bouncing it off her, like, what would she think, you know, as far as a goal weight range? And she really said the exact same thing that you said with a goal body, you know, she said, your body is functioning for you, you're exercising and in enjoying your exercise, you know, you're able to do all these things, you have increased energy, your blood work has come back wonderfully. And so, you know, she sort of gave me the permission, if you will, to go to maintenance, quote unquote. So, so kind of a maintenance mindset. And you're just going to let it happen, right? Just you're just going to go from here. Exactly, exactly. I think the biggest reason that I would want to like declare maintenance would be to say maybe buy clothes, you know, buy more of whatever size I'm at now. I think I'm starting to buy the size eights. And so, you know, am I going to fill out my wardrobe in size eight? 
well, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't, I can't imagine going to a six. I just cannot fathom that. But at the same time, I couldn't imagine an eight. When I was a 16, I couldn't imagine ever buying eights. So I'm really resistant to fill out my wardrobe. That said, as a dentist, you know, I need to look professional. And so I do have my work clothes. And so that's been fun to, to buy new clothes. There is just something so exciting about single digit clothes, right? It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I can say with certainty that I am the healthiest that I've been in my adult life. And that's not the smallest weight. I've been lighter for, I think, a week maybe. Right. But this is the healthiest that I've been that's been sustained for sure. So I have a question about the doctor visit. Did you talk about intermittent fasting with the doctor? What did she say about it? Had she heard about it before? I'm always interested in how doctors react. Yeah. So actually, she was supportive. I mean, that was sort of the overall. She's a young doctor. She's actually still a resident. And at first, you know, I haven't seen her before. We have, you know, kind of managed care plan. And so when I looked at who I would see this time, I thought, oh, a resident, you know, a resident doctor is, do I want to do this? Or, you know, do I want to request someone else? And I thought, you know what? No, let's test this and kind of the same mindset. Let's see where she's at and what they're being taught, you know, these days, because she just finished medical school literally in May. And so anyway, as a healthy person, I thought, you know, I don't have a complex medical history that I feel like I would need someone with more experience. And so as a new grad, she had heard of fasting and she definitely supported it. She wanted to make sure that I was eating, you know, healthy fats and she wanted some specifics about the types of food that I ate, but the schedule of my eating didn't phase her in the least. Well, that's exciting to hear, the fact that she had heard of it and she had a positive reaction to it. That makes me feel great about the future of doctors coming out of med school. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So you're a dentist. So you've got, you know, not the MD background, but you've got a medical background. So what about the science of intermittent fasting really appealed to you with your dentist medical background? Well, you have talked a lot about the relation in in Feast Without Fear about the gut microbiome. And the oral microbiome is very similar, different pathogenic bacteria and different beneficial bacteria. But when you think about the whole system, the mouth is very similar to the gut. And so the same benefits that you have fasting related to gut bacteria, you have in the mouth also. I kind of describe it to the parents of the kids that I see in my practice that every time we eat, any of us, the children included, anything with a carbohydrate. So whether that's a sip of juice or a sip of milk or a goldfish cracker, our mouth actually starts to digest that carbohydrate. It's the amylase is released and and that amylase enzyme is what starts to break down the sugars. And so our mouth is the first line of digestion, which makes an acidic pH in our mouth for about 15 minutes. And during that time, minerals come out of our teeth and weaken our teeth and predispose them to cavities and other pathology. And so if during that 15 minutes, a toddler or an adult has a sip of a sweetened coffee beverage or energy drink that they've had a sip and recapped, or a toddler has, you know, another goldfish cracker or another sip from their sippy cup of milk or juice, then that 15 minutes gets extended by another 15 minutes. And so you can imagine long stretches of this acidic environment in the mouth when minerals are leaching out of the teeth and going into solution that it has negative effects. And so 
after that 15 minute period, then the mouth goes back to a neutral pH. During that time, minerals that are in the saliva can go back into the teeth and heal them, remineralize them, kind of keep everything at a homeostatic, you know, basis where there's a balance between the acid and the base environment, the acid and the neutral environment. And so I talked to my, you know, like I said, to my parents about that when they're in the practice. And the same holds true for any of us doing fasting. The long stretches that we have with nothing except water are really beneficial for our teeth and for the bacteria that live in our mouth. Okay, that was fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) And so I loved that. I just learned some things I didn't know. So now I'm going to ask you another question. Would black coffee or tea interrupt that process in a negative way? So the coffee itself is acidic. So it's not going to cause the internal reaction where you have that like the 15 minute buffer window, but every sip of coffee in the mouth is acidic. So to varying levels, it is similar. If you sipped coffee or held coffee in your mouth all day long, that would be bad, (laughs) but that's not realistic. Well, I do sip on coffee for a lot of the morning. So I never thought of it from the dental side of things, though, you know, what was happening in my mouth. I just thought of it from, you know, the fasting side and the fasted state of the body. But so how much coffee do you drink in the morning? Do you well, drink coffee? Still? Yeah, I do. Oh, I do. Yeah. So I found black coffee in a heartbeat. Once that first quart of creamer was gone, I was all on board with the black coffee and the clean fast. So I do drink coffee and I probably drink coffee over two to three hour period in the morning. And then usually in the afternoon, I'm pretty much water, sometimes sparkling water. Love the hot water. That's definitely a gin added to my life. Yes, love the hot water. I'm drinking some right now. (laughs) I have my my mug of hot water. (laughs) It's just so good. (laughs) Yeah. And so sometimes I'll have some tea in the afternoon, but mostly I figure that three hours or so with a few sips of coffee is not going to be an issue. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I just, my mind was racing and I'm like, oh no, what about the coffee? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I used to eat frequently. I mean, that was definitely my pattern was, you know, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack. I was a snacker, you know, and I felt like I was doing that the right thing that I was eating like bars and like, you know, protein bars. I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. Right. But occasionally we would have an office party and there would be like snacking all day, like 30 snacks, a really high number. And those days in particular, I remember my teeth feeling more fuzzy. And so it's just really interesting how now my teeth stay clean. I don't build up as much tartar. And that this is a study of one, but I am certain that, you know, most people who are listening and who fasted are like, yes, yes. Because every time those bacteria eat, the another part of the story is that every time the bacteria eat, I tell my seven to eight year old patients, every time they eat, they poop, the bacteria poop and they poop <laughs> on your teeth. And that's what plaque is. And from an actual scientific standpoint, it's what they excrete. And so, you know, it may not be poop per se, but right. it's, you know, bacteria it's waste product, so, right? yeah, yeah. It's waste product. And <laughs> so, so anyway, the less poop there is on your teeth, then the less buildup, the less fuzzy sweaters you're going to have growing on your teeth. And so all those things. Well, that's fabulous. And, you know, we have heard from people in the Facebook groups that have been doing intermittent fasting for a while. They'll go into the dentist for their regular checkup 
and they just get rave reviews about how clean their teeth are. Exactly. And now and, we know why. Right. There are several books that in you know the last probably five years that have come out linking this increased oral health and how important that is to whole body health. And I think that's really the key. So not only does fasting support a healthier mouth, but a healthier mouth supports a healthier body. Cardiovascularly, Alzheimer's disease, all these things are related. And we're just the tip of the iceberg on the knowledge on that right now. And so it's really fascinating. It is. So they're figuring out why. I know that we kind of knew it was related, but it was more of like, is it causational or is it correlational? And so now they're finding out it actually is causing the better health. It's not just correlated with people who have better health, also have better teeth. Exactly. Because they take care of themselves. The mouth care leads to better health. Yes, exactly. It's not just a comorbidity, but the actual pathogenic bacteria in the mouth in adults, especially periodontal disease, is implemented in causing cardiovascular problems. The book that I'm thinking of is the Dr. Bradley Bale and Dunning, the Bale and Dunning method, beat the heart attack gene. Okay. Anyway, so they cite those statistics also. Well, fascinating. That's a neat book. That's great. So tell us what your daily intermittent fasting pattern is like. I am predicting you probably eat in the evening. Is that what you do? I do. I do. We have teenage children and I have sort of committed to continuing family meals, kind of continuing to eat family meals together, not only to, you know, be a good example of healthy food choices, but, you know, that family time, that bonding time. And so I've toyed with the idea as I've maybe plateaued over the last month to switch to an alternate day fasting, but I feel like that will detract from our family meals. And so I just am prioritizing that for another few more years while there's still teenagers in the house. After that, all bets are off. My husband and I might very well enjoy afternoon window. On weekends, we do tend to eat earlier. I do enjoy eating at maybe three o'clock instead of six o'clock. But yeah. So basically, you just feel great all during the day, during your practice, and you don't have any lags or Right. When I energy points. Yeah. When I first started fasting, I would skip the breakfast, you know, and just go to my morning snack at 10 o'clock. And, you know, because I mean, it was regimented. I knew what I was going to eat when my lunch was very similar, a couple eggs every day, you know, avocado toast, that kind of thing. And so I would skip breakfast and go straight to my 10 o'clock snack. And then within a few days, I skipped that 10 o'clock snack and went straight to lunchtime and had my eggs and lunch. And then I went and by the time though, it came to eat at three o'clock, by the time I was skipping that last one, I thought, you know, it's just going to make me want more food. It's going to make me hungrier at this point. It's not going to be satisfying. You're going to make me want to eat more and then I'm going to get sleepy. <laughs> and so, so that defeated that energy benefit. And so it was easier for me just to go straight through till when I was off work and I'm not home from work until often 530. So right. that's usually when I open my window. I like to have a green smoothie just because I think it feels good for me. I've always kind of battled high cholesterol. And I put usually about five or six cups of greens in the smoothie. That's for two people. And so I feel like that fiber really helps keep my cholesterol in check. And like I said, my blood work has been great. So I'm going to keep up with my green smoothies because they feel good and I like them. 
Yeah, that's the most important reason to to have something. It feels right. It's a great way to open your window because you feel good. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then I usually have a little snack of whatever is in the cupboard for the kids' lunches that is driving me crazy, you know, mentally, that mental game. So it's often some peanuts or mixed nuts or some popcorn. The kids love popcorn right now. And so I'll have a little bit of that. I kind of have my little cup size while I'm making dinner, maybe a glass of wine, and then I cook dinner and we eat about an hour later. And usually that's it. Sometimes a piece of dark chocolate. If there's a dessert I want, I think it was last weekend, I really wanted chocolate cake. So you know what? We had chocolate cake. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, this is, the freedom is amazing. It really is. We've got some rum cake right now, pound cake that somebody gave to my husband, one of his students. So yeah, we're, nice. we're definitely enjoying that at dinner. Now, does your husband wait till he gets home from work to open his window as well? He does, but he gets home earlier. So by the time I get home, he's usually had that first little kind of snack and then he's ready for the green smoothie too. So how have his results been? I know the men love to hear what other men are doing. Yes, he's had great success for sure. We were on par with weight loss the first several months. And then he ended up having unexpected surgery in August. And that set him back the recovery period. He was off his feet entirely. And that set him back for a little bit. But he's back on fasting now, basically the one meal a day, 20 to 22 hours of fasting. And he's having results again. So he's right back in it. Good. So did he have a lot of weight to lose? Did he have some health problems he was working on? Yes. Weight loss was his primary goal. He also suffers with arthritis and he's about six, seven. So he's a big guy. He carries his weight really well, but he's lost about 40 pounds also. That's awesome. Has it helped his arthritis at all? He feels less inflammation in general. The surgery that he ended up having, he feels better now after it, even though the timing was bad. No teacher wants to have surgery in August. No, no. (laughs) The timing was terrible, but it was a good thing ultimately. So he's feeling better now than he had been for the whole last year before that. And fasting is for sure a part. That's good. So he did stop fasting for a while as he was recovering from the... Yeah, he did for probably six weeks, I think. Well, I shouldn't say he stopped fasting, but he went to a longer window. He probably had right. more of a eight to 10 hour window. And that's still giving benefits from the period of the day where he's not eating. So even, you know, absolutely eight to 10 is still, I would say that qualifies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so good. it's exciting to see the changes in our family. I do, like I said, I have two teenagers and my kids now have the freedom to skip breakfast. I was definitely one of the moms that said, no, you have to eat, you know, you need it for your brain to work during the day. And since I've learned so much in the last eight, nine months, I allow them to eat when they're hungry. And so they are enjoying that freedom also. I love that. What are the ages and genders of your kids? My daughter is almost 17 and my son is almost 14. And so my daughter especially has taken this on and she usually breaks her fast about 11 o'clock with some avocado and then has like sandwich lunch or sometimes they eat out at school. And then she is done eating by probably 7.30. So she's definitely doing a good fast. And it's just her desire, her body's desire. It's not anything imposed. I know that can be kind of a tricky subject talking about kids and fasting. Right. But I figure at 17, she has a woman's body. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, (laughs) she's a woman as far as I'm concerned. Yep. And it just naturally is how she feels best. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. She can see the difference once she's broken her fast in her, uh, you know, mental clarity and her astuteness. So even her SAT and that she took and her ACT, she took those fasted because she felt better. Oh, that's fabulous. So they have tools now. They know 
to pay attention to their body. And instead of like forcing themselves to eat, they know to listen. Exactly. Exactly. My 14 year old son, he loves his donuts. Well, he kind of loves junk food in general, but sometimes he'll even skip donuts if they're available because he doesn't like the way it makes him feel when he eats it first thing in the morning. I'm like, you know, that's that's powerful. That is a life skill. Yeah. Yeah. At the age of 14 to already say, eh, I don't think I'm going to eat that donut because I don't like the way it will make me feel. Right. Right. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I wish I'd have gotten that skill. I wish I. <laughs> yes, I did not have that. No, for sure. I mean, maybe I did at 14. Somehow along the way, I lost it. But <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> we all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. I like to ask about food. You know, we were just talking about smoothies and donuts. Have your tastes <laughs> in food changed at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's, I mean, like remarkably so. One of the things that I really like about intermittent fasting and about your, you know, technique, if you will, in general, and what you advocate for is the freedom to choose. You know, I don't do a keto diet. And I, if someone were to tell me that I had to eat a certain way, I would probably eat the opposite just in spite. That's just kind of the person I am. (laughs) And so those types of restrictions just don't work well for me. And so to have the freedom to make the choices has allowed me to find what works best for me. And so I can't say how much that has impacted my life. But one of the things in particular is that I've, and also I've learned from you is that, um, you know, basically are two types of issues with dairy. One of them would be, you know, your actual lactose intolerance, the other being a problem with the protein that's in 
milk or dairy products, the casein. And it turns out that with me, it's the lactose, it's the fresh cream, because I kept arguing with myself, but I do fine with cheese. Well, that's because they're two different beasts. And so fasting has allowed me to kind of refine that and so that I can eliminate the things that I need to eliminate. So it turns out that cream in the coffee wasn't doing me any good from the whole get-go. Wow. That's powerful. The fact that you have worked through what works for you and what doesn't. You know, so many people hear, you know, delay, don't deny the title of my book. And they think that that is actually recommending go nuts. Right. (laughs) Eat all the junk, you know, potato chips galore, whatever. But that's really missing the point. There isn't a diet plan because no two people are going to feel best eating the exact same way. So I could structure a diet plan. Like I could say, here's the food that makes me feel great. Here's the Jen Stevens diet plan. Eat these foods. And somebody else might feel awful eating those foods. Right. I've always tried to, you know, eat healthy with my family, serve healthy foods. And it's funny because you talk about grinding wheat, and that's something that I had done for years. I'm not currently because I live in Portland where there's amazing bakeries, but I had been grinding my own wheat when we lived in Alaska. And because there wasn't, you know, good options, healthy options, right. fresh options. And so that's just one example of how I had always tried to serve the best and to do the best. And as far as you know, nutritional content. And so it's interesting now to see how what some of those things that maybe are affecting me a little bit differently. And as far as my desires, my taste in food, pizza is something that I've always really enjoyed. And it has come around that a lot of the pizzas that I used to like don't taste good anymore. And I know you've said that exact same thing, like, oh, yeah, this crazy. restaurant changed the recipe. And I kid you not, I've had that literal discussion with my husband. No, that the pizza place changed the recipe. No, they didn't. It's the same pizza that, you know, the rest of us have always not liked that you were the only one who (laughs) held on to liking. Well, not anymore. So now when we have pizza, it's homemade pizza because that's what tastes good, feels good. So yeah, it really is crazy because I'm like, was really thinking the other day, I would like to have some pizza and I'm like going through all the places that sell pizza. And I'm like saying, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. To all of them, and the only thing that I could think of was to make my own. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I had Mexican instead. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to eat more vegetarian foods. When I was younger, I was more of a strict vegetarian, and then when I came to sort of the realization or the understanding that you know meat can be healthy, I have eaten more meat, and it's just been you know not anything like self-imposed rules other than what I feel like is going to be healthiest for my body, and. And so for me to learn what is healthy and works good for my body specifically is so powerful as opposed to what, you know, society says or what science says currently is healthy when, you know, we see how eggs have fared in that, you know, they're healthy, they're not healthy, they're healthy. So the back and forth, what works for me is so much more powerful than, you know, what somebody else says I should be eating. So have you kind of gravitated away from meat just because of the way it makes you feel over time? Yes, I think it also stems from the commercial processing of the meat, you know, how like the kind of feedlot beef sort of thing, you know, kind of grosses right. me out. So yeah. the meat that I do eat is locally sourced and organic and, you know, treated in a better way than, yeah, that didn't make sense. Well, no, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I totally get it. It does make sense to me. When you choose meat, you're very choosy about what meat you pick. 
Right, right, exactly. But we do tend to eat vegetarian meals just because that has been my preference for a number of years, but it's not an exclusive. Yes, I'm very similar, but intermittent fasting has made me this way. I never set out to eat less meat. I just feel better. Right. When, I, when I don't have as much meat. And I, I do still have it, but right. <laughs> just right. not as much. And I'll find myself picking out some of the, like if I'm, I'll make something that has chicken in it, I'll pick out the chicken and like scoot it over and <laughs> give it to my husband. And not that I'm not eating the chicken. I've just had enough chicken for this meal. You know? Right, right. Where's the carrots? <laughs> Where's the broccoli? I know. I never order steak anymore. I'll still eat a good cheeseburger. I'm, I'm <laughs> crazy about a burger, but I never really order steak, and that is just so not like me. Right, right. It's I would fun. always get the filet mignon and the yeah, you know, like we would go out, I'd get filet and lobster tail and a baked potato, and now I'm like, what are the veggies you have? <laughs> <laughs> None of that sounds good currently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and if we're thinking about going out to eat, I'm like, where can I get good vegetables? You know, that's the criteria. <laughs> Usually the answer is at your own house. Well, we do eat at home most of the time. (laughs) It's true. Yep, yep. That's great. Is there anything you struggle with with intermittent fasting? Well, I think, you know, what we kind of touched on before about kind of knowing an end point, knowing an ultimate determination, I think that's kind of just been a little bit of a challenge for me. But we're working through that. You know, that's all good. And the only difference to maintenance, I'm not going to change my day-to-day life. So it's one of those moot points that I just need to probably get through. But, you know, I think you hear people about white knuckling through the fast, and that's not the way that this is supposed to be. You know, it, it really is a lifestyle that gives you so much freedom that if that's how you're feeling, then you probably need to, you know, reevaluate how you're doing your fast and how you're structuring your fast or the types of foods that you're eating. Maybe they aren't working for you, you know, as much as you'd like to think that they are. Or even the time of day that you have your eating window. So many of us do gravitate to an evening window based on our work schedules and eating with our family, but that doesn't mean it's the best you know, quote, best eating window for everybody. Right. I think that sometimes people will confuse like the insulin response with tummy rumbles, you know, so like something making you hungry. And so I think it's important to think about when you do have an insulin response that that insulin is designed to take sugar from your bloodstream, circulating blood sugar, and turn it into storage and store it so that you do get an actual low blood sugar. And, you know, that's kind of where the hangry falls in. People would ask, like, doesn't fasting make you hungry? Well, I do get tummy rumbles. Yeah. So if you're talking about something that I might struggle with, you know, sometimes I kind of do have a little bit of a hungry or tummy rumble, but that's not you know, something that is a hang up, that's just something that it's not an emergency. You know, I just know that, yeah, my stomach, my literal stomach organ would like me to have something in it, but it's not going to. Right. (laughs) There is no chemical need for me to have food or any sort of real body need for me to have food. I could literally fast with the fat that I have on my body. I could literally fast for weeks and not starve or have any detrimental effect. Yes, because you don't have that crash feeling of like your blood sugar is bottoming out and you must feed yourself right now. Right. That's what we don't have. And that's what people don't understand because they think they're going to. Right. It's the steady energy that is, you know, so powerful. You're not going up and down in your energy throughout the day. You just tap into those fat stores and 
boy, you feel like you could go forever. The times yeah. when I get hungry is because I've told myself I'm going to eat at this time, not, you know, because my body is any different. The times when I've told myself we're going to do an alternate day fast and we're not going to eat until noon tomorrow, then you know what? Noon tomorrow is just fine because that's my mindset. Yes. So much of this is mindset and mental. So much of it is. And people don't always realize that. Right. Right. For me, the mindset part was the part that kept getting in my way. You know, I had this whole, I deserve to eat when anybody else is eating kind of thought. Yeah. You know, like, well, everyone else is having snacks. Why can't I have snacks too? Right. <laughs> this is, yeah, like, this is what we're doing right now. We're eating right now. And so to be social and. And I really struggled with that more than anything. I think that's what held me back with fasting that, you know, if someone else was having a Chick-fil-A biscuit, then I should be having a Chick-fil-A biscuit too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I do work in a small office environment, which is nice. You know, my practice is small. There isn't a lot of, you know, treats always around, but the social part of it is definitely what can get tricky. I guess what I'm trying to say is I knew almost from the get-go that this was going to be a new life choice for me and that I really didn't anticipate ever eating breakfast, at least not during breakfast hours. And I almost would say ever again, but there's one exception. The day after Christmas party, the whole family goes to breakfast. And I thought, okay, that breakfast will be a special occasion because my husband's grandfather, who's 101, is the sort of center of attention for the breakfast. And we all go out to spend the last morning when he's visiting. And so that's a special occasion. You know, we'll all honor grandpa by having breakfast. And as it gets closer, I'm thinking, you know, I can honor grandpa with my presence and a cup of black coffee. (laughs) But here's the beauty of that is it's your choice. Absolutely. If you choose to have breakfast, it's not failing or quitting or whatever. It's like you're just Barbara that was on the podcast earlier. She gave me a new phrase that I've incorporated into my life. And that is you set fasting aside. Right. For that day. right. And I'm like, that is such a beautiful way of looking at it. You may choose to set fasting aside or maybe not. Right. And honestly, I don't know what I'll do when the time comes. I may eat breakfast. I've definitely given myself permission to, right. but I may not because I don't really like the way I feel when I eat in the morning. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, but it's just fun to have that entirely different mindset. It is. And that either way, you're a success. You're not failing no matter what you choose. Like you're not rigidly adhering to, quote, a diet. And so you have to sit there and drink your coffee. Right. Or you're not like cheating on your diet. Right. (laughs) If you have the breakfast, it's just like, "Mm, I'm going to decide. Yeah. A few years ago, the most recent time I had had success with weight loss, the one that burned me on anything but a new lifestyle, if I'll say that, was like a six-day sort of low-carb, high-fat with one cheat day a week. Mm-hmm. And I did have success with it for a few months. But you find that one cheat day is so unhealthy mentally and physically, and you feel so gross. And then six days later, you're so ready to do it again, whether it's burgers and donuts and, you know, all the things. And I don't mean like that you can't have burgers and donuts, but all day long. And then all week long, you're just fascinated with when you, as soon as you can get your hands on it. And yeah, it's not surprising that it was short term benefit. And so I thought I can't do anything, anything else that's not going to be a forever change. 
So this is a forever change. And I knew it was within probably 10 days of starting fasting. This is a new lifestyle. And I would go around declaring that to anybody who would listen. And it was kind of funny because I know people are just rolling their eyes at me (laughs) (laughs) behind my back or to my face. It didn't matter. Oh, the same with me, because I always had like some kind of a new scheme that I was doing and I would cycle through them so quickly. And the fact that I've been doing this now since 2014, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, okay, now people finally don't have to roll their eyes and think I'm going to quit because I have not quit. (laughs) Right, right. And so along the way, you know, there's various family members that are fasting now also. And obviously, I have the support at home with my husband, but extended friends and families. And yeah, it's pretty cool. I love what Kim said in your earlier fasting story about how she's coming back fourth time through now or something along those lines, how it's gone around the full circle so many times that that she's, you know, fourth generation fasters. I love it, though, because we can really help other people to find sanity in their life, too. Yeah, right. Exactly. And even though we've tried many things and they've seen us, you know, go crazy nuts, this one, that one, the other they're like, oh, you're different now. I do see that this is something different. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know that whether it is or isn't for everybody, you know, should everybody fast? Can everybody fast? Those are two entirely different questions. But, you know, it seems that people who are naturally thin tend to have some sort of fasting regime in them. (laughs) Right. Which is naturally, which is so amazing to think about <laughs> to have <Yeah>. that <laughs> like grandma who just drank coffee all morning and then would you know that and that was exactly my grandma absolutely yeah. she might have a piece of toast at 10 o'clock and then by you know four or five she had had her dinner and she was finished wow yeah. like what a mind-blowing prospect and did she stay lean her whole adult life yeah she was very active up until the day that she passed in her sleep so oh yeah. And that's what we can all have too. <laughs> that's my goal to be active until the day I pass in my sleep. Yes. Yes. Beautiful thing. It really is. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. So 
I take it you do tell people then. I like to ask people are sharers or if they keep it to themselves. So you're definitely a sharer. I am. I'm a sharer in person, but my Facebook has been a little bit quiet. So when this comes out, I think I'm going to share it on my Facebook and go out publicly. I love that. <laughs> I'm a faster. I'm going to sing it from the rooftops. Well, you know, there's just something scary about admitting it to people. You know, it's funny. I was talking to some close friends of mine and I was talking to my best friend and her husband. And so she's, you know, just really enthralled with this. And we were visiting them in July. And so I'm talking to her and telling her all about it. And she's really excited. And her husband sits down and she says, now tell him, tell him what you were just telling me. And I looked right at him and I could see, you know, he had kind of caught some glimpses of the words I was using. And I could just see that he didn't want to, you know, it just wasn't for him. He was so skeptical. I could see that in his eyes. And I said to him, I said, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And he looks at me like, what? Where did that come from? I said, that is so much easier to talk about than fasting. (laughs) When someone is just not open, you can tell it, right? (laughs) Right. You could just see he was not ready to have that. Right, right. And so we (laughs) laughed about it, then got to the real fasting discussion after that. But that was just sort of the little... I can tell you don't want to hear what I'm going to say. Let's <laughs> talk about Jesus. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. We, know, that's we have that in common. Yeah, that's great. But when people are ready, they want to talk about it. That's what I have found. The people that were the naysayers at the beginning, a lot of them have come around. Yes, and I always point them to your book because I feel like it answers all those questions. And it's such, you know, for anybody who needs any kind of hand-holding or, I mean, even if you don't need hand-holding, it answers everything. I think you said in one of your podcasts that the reason that you wrote it was because you were tired of explaining, well, you know, take this part from this book and this part from this book. And now after having read all those books plus yours, I can absolutely see how it's just the perfect medley of all of that. Because I totally agree. I'm so on your page, you know, Dr. Fung has been such a huge resource and the obesity code is an amazing book but it's a little much for a lot of people and right you know the fast five is fantastic but and so it's been fun to kind of read all the background and you know start with your book read all the background and then read your book again it's been really it's been neat to see that transition well you know that's what teachers do you know and I don't hesitate to tell everyone I'm not a medical professional I'm a teacher so teachers, especially elementary teachers like me, we have to be generalists. You know, we know a little bit of everything and we're really good at looking at the whole big picture and finding a million sources and then pulling them all together and distilling them in a simple way. So I am still a teacher. My book was written to be a teacher. I'm teaching you about intermittent fasting, you know, and I'm not the doctor and I'm not trying to be the medical expert. I don't want anybody to think of me that way. Right. But those are all tools that you have access to. Exactly. And that's what shines through. So I love Delay, Don't Deny. And I think I recommend it to everybody who is asking, because like you said, they'll come to you and ask. And so that's what I'm excited about, too, when this does come out to sing it from the rooftops and answer some questions, hopefully. Fabulous. And they'll be like, all right, I'm ready. Right. Right. (laughs) That's great. So You mentioned it before. You talked about your doctor visit and that your health had changed in many ways. You mentioned your A1C and things like that. What specifically, what positive health changes have you experienced? 
So definitely those numbers, they've improved, if not been steady. And the last time I had had blood work was two years ago when I was doing that other six day, one day. So this is, you know, definitely showing improvement even from that. And I think the energy is amazing. So I mentioned that I exercise and I started working out with a personal trainer. I've always enjoyed exercise to certain degrees, but, you know, work, finding time for it, that type of thing. And so when I started working with my personal trainer, I started meeting with her a couple days a week. And so the difference in my energy level has been amazing. And you can actually see on my graph of my strength training, once I started fasting, the human growth hormone increase, well, that's what I attributed it to. Right. I would too, probably. The increase in growth hormone has led to an increase in my body makeup, my body composition, as far as muscle and to a negative on the fat percentage. And so specifically, those numbers have changed dramatically since I started fasting. Before that, those first couple months, I was definitely gaining strength. You could see my muscle percent was getting higher. But once that fasting part came in, then the fat percentage, I mean, my percent body fat has gone from 40 to 26. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's literally been since March, you know, before that, it was at 40, 39, 40, you know, those first three months of the year. I mean, that's substantial. So what does your personal trainer think about intermittent fasting? She's definitely supportive. She herself is a vegan, but she's very open-minded about veganism isn't going to be for everybody. And and so she does not have a problem with me fasting at all. When I first started talking to her about, you know, incorporating the weight loss portion, she thought maybe tracking would be a good idea. And, and I did. I have tracked on my fitness pal on and off various times. And I thought, you know, that might not be a bad idea just to make sure I'm getting enough nutrients, enough calories. So that was something initially that we looked at together that we would kind of review. But yeah, she has no problems with it. And in fact, she even does some fasting herself. Had she done that before you mentioned it to her or has she started doing it since then? No, she has started doing it since then. I think she's seen, you know, my changes in the last several months. She's also an ultra marathon runner. Wow. I mean, we all, I think, would agree that she can't fast while she's doing her ultra Oh, no, no. <laughs> Even a lot of her training, it doesn't lend itself to a fasting lifestyle while she's training. But she does for various times and she sees the health benefits of it as in fasting for periods when she's dealing with inflammation, that type of thing. Well, I think that's wonderful because we do hear from a lot of people that sometimes personal trainers are against fasting. Like they don't understand, you know, the new research about it. And they're like, no, you must eat six times a day and you must have food before you work out and then after you work out. And yeah, she's very well educated. And if I have brought anything to her, she is more than open to reading it, considering it, discussing it. In fact, one of the first few weeks while I was fasting, she was sending me little YouTube videos and that type of thing, helping me find different gurus, if you will. Oh, that's fabulous. So to have an open-minded personal trainer is really the best. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It's been great. And my doctor, and just like you said, everybody, my support system is so well established. <laughs> yeah, and no one is telling you, you're crazy. Don't do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they're like, oh, that sounds great. Let me support you through it. And that's really the best because people worry that they're going to get pushback, especially from their doctor, their personal trainer, that right. sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Like you said, you do see it. It does happen. It does. And that really, really makes people question the lifestyle. They're like, well, my personal trainer told me, you know, not to do this, that right. I would lose all of my muscle. Right. Right. And people hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're scared. And, <laughs> and so hearing from someone like you that you have not only 
you know, not lost all of your muscle. You've built amazing amounts of muscle, more so since you started the fasting. That helps people feel better. Right, right. Especially when a personal trainer is telling them you're going to lose all your, your muscle. You know, that's just somebody who doesn't understand the latest thinking. Right. Yeah. And I'm stronger. I can hold my plank longer. I can lift bigger weights and, you know, I can run farther and faster and all those things. They're all better. They're all better. Yeah. You can't argue with that. Right. Right. We are almost out of time. It always surprises me. Like we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but (laughs) (laughs) I like to finish up with your advice for someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, what is the best advice you would give to someone new? Or is there anything you wish you knew at the beginning that you know now? Right. Well, I think one thing that helped me so much was really diving in and researching everything I could. I think for probably the first six months, everything I did was about fasting. Everything I read, everything I checked on Facebook, everything I listened to on my podcasts. And so because of that, I was empowered to make it my own. And I don't mean make it my own like well I can have cream in my coffee because that's how I'm going to make it my own I mean to be able to play with your fasting window maybe it's longer maybe it's shorter maybe it's a different time of day or maybe it's the type of foods but you really don't know those things you don't have the confidence to tweak it because you haven't researched it enough. And so many of the questions that you see for the new people who are just joining, you know, just starting within the few weeks, they're questions that they need to find the answer to. And so my advice would be to, you know, really allow yourself to be empowered to make those decisions and those choices and, you know, to know what you can tweak and what you can't tweak and how to make it right for you. Yeah, I think that's important because, If you feel confident in what you're doing and you are aware of the health benefits and you're well-read and you're versed in the research, you're not going to have, you know, a naysayer make you feel like, oh my gosh, maybe this isn't good. Exactly. I have the confidence now to be able to talk to any naysayer, whether it's my doctor or, you know, like I went into my appointment with my doctor, like, let's see how she's going to fare on this decision that I've made. You know, is she going to continue to be able to be my doctor or is she not going to be able to be my doctor? (laughs) Because you're empowered and because you're knowledgeable, you're confident that it's a good choice. I think that actually helps prevent naysayers. Right, right. (laughs) Because you're confident and they're like, oh, well, I guess I can't argue with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Read this, listen to this, do all this, and then we'll have a talk about it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I've suggested that to people. If someone's giving you a hard time, say, well, how about after you read the obesity code, I would be glad to talk to any of your rebuttals that you have for what's in there. Yeah, exactly. No one's going to do that. Exactly. (laughs) I dare you. Read this whole book and then let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Only then can we have a conversation. (laughs) Right. Well, this has been fabulous, Melissa. And thank you so much for coming on. And I actually learned a lot today about the mouth. Yay. And (laughs) feel like even better about my decision to be an intermittent faster because of my mouth. That's right. That's right. And the effects on your whole body. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was just a pleasure to be here. And thanks again for having me on your podcast. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. 
also, don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. 